The following podcast contains advertising. To access an ad-free version of the Lawfare podcast, become a material supporter of Lawfare at patreon.com lawfare. That's patreon.com lawfare. Also, check out Lawfare's other podcast offerings, Rational Security, Chatter, Lawfare No Bull, and The Aftermath. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I assume he's just trying to flex, right? He's trying to show off to his, to his again, that sounds bizarre, it's, it's basically his teenage friends because <laughs> uh, he's playing Call of Duty and Halo and like, with his kids and mostly they were teenagers and like, you know, get, get people younger than he was. So it's kind of very, very bizarre. I think it's just as simple as like, I have this forbidden fruit. Don't you want to taste of it too, right? Don't you want to see it? Don't you want to, don't you want to know that I can access this and don't you want to see it too? I'm Benjamin Wittes, and this is the Lawfare Podcast, April 12th, 2023. Tom Ridd is a professor of strategic studies at Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies. Eric Toller is the director of research and training at Bellingcat. They are, in my opinion, the two people who've had the most interesting things to say about the latest mega leak out of the U.S. national security establishment. You know the mega leak I'm talking about. Giant story in the New York Times last week, and it gets weirder and weirder every day that goes on. Rid has been tweeting up a storm on the subject, and Toller is the author of a major investigation for Bellingcat on it. There are Discord servers, Minecraft servers, a weird group of gamers who are, by their own account, a bit racist. There's also huge damage to U.S. national security interests and Ukrainian national security interests. It's a big win for Russia, but Russia doesn't appear to be behind it. We talked about it all. It's the Lawfare Podcast, April 12th. Rid and Toller on the latest mega leak. All right, so Tom, get us started. What do we know about this story? How did it break, and how big a deal is it so far? Well, the story broke uh, when I was having dinner with a few people on Thursday evening uh, that all work in this space with clearances and focused on. Uh, have all had done work on uh, leak-related uh, things in the past. So it broke in a very sort of personal way for me <laughs> in the sense that we were immediately discussing what was going on. And I think it broke from the back, so to speak. It broke uh, uh, initially, and I think Arik will be in a better position to to speak to this. The first New York Times article you know, referenced this leak on Telegram, 
Um, I suspect we will be going into more detail on what the leak is, but referenced Telegram plus a uh, allegedly forged or obviously forged uh, piece of one document, which added this spin to the story that there might be disinformation in this leak. And I think subsequent uh, tracing back to patient zero has meant we moved away from that hypothesis. All right. So as far as I can tell, it seems to be a cache of U.S. intelligence documents. Do we know how many there are at this stage or uh, is the volume still unclear? As far as I know, so the, 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 the documents that I think several journalists have access to, that is not the number of documents or photos that were initially posted on one of the earlier Discord channels. So the number that I think is uh, several people seem to have access to, news organizations seem to have access to, is around 50, a little more than 50, 54, 56. Uh, but uh, uh, allegedly, we had a significantly higher number in one of the earliest channels, 107. And I understand potentially even more than that, but I don't know. Eric, do you have a sense beyond uh, what Tom just said about the volume? Every story that I read seems to cite a different number. Yeah, in April 5th and 6th, um, when the story is breaking, well, the, the story broke with five photos on Telegram, one of which was doctored. And then um, I found three that were on 4chan, and um, two of those weren't, weren't on the Telegram. So it's seven right there that came on April 5th and 6th. Going back a month, there were 10 on a Minecraft Discord server. And the of these seven that came on Telegram 4chan, they came from that 10. Right? So then there's three of these that were in the Minecraft server that were not in the Telegram and 4chan dump. A couple of days before that, there was a different Discord server that had 107 that were uploaded. And before that, if you go back to the patient zero, the ground zero of where this leak came from, the answer is hundreds. I've talked to a few people who were in the server who who uh, know about this, and I don't know the exact number, but it's hundreds and hundreds. They, they've they've said tip the iceberg of what people know about. And why are the the hundreds and hundreds that people know about no longer easily accessible or identifiable? They're out there in the wild somewhere, right? No, not really. So the it was it came from a Discord server with a couple dozen users. I've talked to about a fourth of the server's membership, I think, because I've talked to like four or five, four or five people who are um, in the server, and and they know about you know, I don't know, you know, exact number, but hundreds, you know, below a thousand in the hundreds of how many um, documents were put onto the server at some point or another, um, starting around October-ish of last year. And only a fraction of those, um, 107, one of the members of this tiny server put 107 of these onto a larger Discord server. And then from those, again, now we're going, I went backwards, and now we're going forwards with chronology. 10 of those, 107 went to the Minecraft server, and then a month, no one noticed anything for a month, and then Telegram, 4chan, everything went crazy with the New York Times report. All right. So we are going to come back to the f forensics of, uh, of the different servers and how you figured all this out in a moment. But before we do, you know, there, there are, Tom, classified leaks and classified leaks. 
these ones, based on the news stories, seem to me to be very important at the level of what they reveal about current Ukrainian air capabilities or air defense weaknesses specifically and important in some other short-term ways or medium-term ways, but not necessarily – not sources and methods intelligence, not acquisition intelligence. How on a 1 to 10 scale big a deal are these documents from your point of view substantively both if you're Ukrainian and if you're uh, uh, from – you know, a U.S. intelligence agency? Yeah, great and very hard question. So let me just take a zoom out into the bird's eye perspective for a moment to put this into context, especially if the figures that Arik just quoted, the hundreds and hundreds below 1,000 are accurate, which means, by the way, if those figures are accurate, then we're looking at a leak of only a relatively small number that actually reached news organizations and you know not the public yet, I guess. So how big of a deal is it? Well, I think all based only on what we currently see and the press coverage we see, the leak is absolutely up there with the most significant intelligence leaks in the in this century so far. So that puts it on. In, the, in that box where, where you have, you know, Cablegate, um, Manning, Cablegate, Snowden, especially, uh, Vault 7 and Shadow Brokers. And, uh, and in terms of the security, the broader security breach, hundreds and hundreds of documents, it's also up there with the worst security breaches that we've seen. So what's in the documents? The thing that I find just uh, noteworthy because it is so different from these other leaks is we're not looking at PowerPoint slides and internal wiki uh, entries or hacking tools. Um, we're looking at finished intelligence reporting, what's called serial reports um, for about 20 of the photos that I've seen. Uh, serial reports meaning one paragraph, very concise, vetted, you know, very clearly and concisely written reports with their own uh, serial number about events in Ukraine, elsewhere, worldwide. And, you know, Iran, China, South Korea, North Korea, uh, Middle East, Africa. So uh, about 70% of the uh, files that I've seen, the photos that I've seen, mention Ukraine at least once. The rest does not. And so on, just on that count, it's, it's highly remarkable because we haven't seen finished intelligence products only rarely actually in previous leaks. That's for the overall context here. Yeah, so that's a really interesting distinction. If you're a U.S. intelligence operator, uh, you say, well, it's finished intelligence product, so it's not identifying acquisition methods, it's not identifying sources, therefore it's, you know, it's a little bit more scrubbed than, you know, S Snowden releasing, you know, specs on on the PRISM uh, program, the 702 program or uh, 215. On the other hand, from a tactical importance to very specific interests, it may be devastating. Is that is that a fair summary in your view? I think it's probably, uh, I mean, it's probably a safe assumption to say this leak is highly damaging. 
And on the on that first point that you alluded to, that the sourcing may be less clearly accessible because it's finished intelligence product, I would be cautious there. Because if your short report or even one of those uh, larger uh, maps and briefing overviews that are Ukraine related, if they re- if they contain very specific information, sometimes you know identifying an individual that said something like a you know foreign minister or some person in another country, uh, and then in the context you say SIGINT or in some cases actually humans derived, that is pinpointing the source pretty closely and will certainly incentivize the target to you know, to secure their comms or to vet the people around them. A lot of the material appears to be SIGINT. You didn't use that example, you know, randomly. What do we know about the, I, I, I mean, SIGINT usually says NSA. Is it clear that this is mostly NSA material or is there some complexity as to, and, and, to the extent that you you know these the range of documents, feel free to chime in here. Is is it clear what the range of producer agencies are at issue here, or is it sort of obscure? I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't really. I, I to, to be honest with you, I spent a lot more time hunting down these documents than actually reading them, um, and I also don't understand how intelligence collection really works. So um, if you want to know about the teenagers who are posting this, I can, I can chat. We're going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's SIGINT and NSA and all that. I, I vaguely know, but I have about a Wikipedia level understanding of most of these things. So I'm not the best to ask. I mean, I can try, but I also just want to preface because I know you have a, a, a very impressive uh, readership, uh, listenership here. I, I also am an outsider. I have never held any security clearance. So everything that I say is based on archival obviously historical work or uh, conversations with people who are former or current intelligence officers in different agencies in different countries also. So with that preface, uh, it seems that some of the reports that we see and the, 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 the information in the leaks is from, a multi- from multiple intelligence producers, agencies, it explicitly says that there are a couple of CIA uh, reports in there, and of course, CIA as an as an all source intelligence agency will in turn draw on other on the work of other intelligence agencies to then compile some of these serial reports. And I think a little bit of that shows in the serial number. Uh, there's a system to you know, essentially reverse engineering the serial number that I only partly understand. But it's it's also important to appreciate the limits here when it says SIGINT derived. You know, both CIA and NSA, and I suspect other, I mean, other intelligence agencies as well have SIGINT capabilities. We cannot, uh, based on the information that I've seen, at least I cannot infer that most of it or all of it is from NSA. I would assume so, but I don't know that for a fact. All right. So let's talk about where the, how this material ended up in the wild and who the main suspects are and what the main hypotheses are for how this happened. Uh, when this news broke, a lot of people looked at it and said, wow, you know, the casualty figures in that one uh, document are, are clearly doctored in Russia's favor. Um, that tends to indicate this is some kind of Russian 
information or disinformation operation. A lot of events since then have cast doubt on this, but give us a sense of what the initial theory is and then how that theory has migrated. And then, Arik, I want to talk to you uh, in detail about the forensics of that migration. Arik already alluded to this in his earlier response. One of the files that, if I'm not getting the sequence wrong, was appears to have been taken from 4chan into the Telegram. Yeah, I, think, I think that's right, yeah. yeah. Conversation. Uh, it was uh, edited, but the important piece in my mind here is it was publicly available before it was edited. So there's no reason to assume this. Anybody could have done that. And in fact, take it one step further, if you are an intelligence agency and you and you would run a disinformation operation, the one thing that you want to avoid if you if you forge a document or partly forge information in a document, the one thing you want to avoid is to have the original available as well so that people can compare, as Arik has done very quickly, you know, fake and real. Yeah, so Arik, theory number one, uh, given that this is a discord to Minecraft migration is that this is some kind of gamer community got their hands on this. So walk me through what we know about the original Discord channel on which these documents uh, started appearing. Sure. So <clears throat> I've talked to uh, a handful of people who were a part of this server when, when it was around. It's been, as you can imagine, it's been nuked out of existence because they're trying to hide their tracks, as you can imagine. So I talked to a handful of people who were in the server. And from what I understand, it started a, a year or two ago. Um, as kind of a spinoff server of a different one. So the, the, a lot of the members of this server met in the Discord server for a guy named um, Oxide. He's like a popular YouTuber who does like military equipment, scopes, armor, that sort of stuff. He does like reviews and videos and that sort of thing. Um, this Oxide guy, has, he has zero connection to this stuff. So this guy's innocent. No one harass him. He's fine. And uh, they, they were previously in this guy's server. And then they started their own server, um, much smaller one, years ago that they met the big server and they met a small one because they just wanted a smaller place to hang out to talk to to you know, do voice chat because discord is for those who don't know who are of a certain age group which i'm, I'm a part of um i'm about one generation too old for discord it's uh kind of a kind of imagine slack or microsoft teams but but for um teenagers and people in their early 20s who play video games a lot so this is a place where you do voice chat for playing counter-strike or call of duty or halo or whatever so they just want their own server where they can just kind of like hang out, right? A little bit smaller space and not what, you know, big thousands and thousands of people in this other server. So the servers had a bunch of different names. So the first name of the server was named after the founder of the server who asked me not to say his name. So I won't do that because he doesn't want to be involved in dragging all this stuff, which very understandably. And um, it, it had a few other names. Some, a lot of them are ones I can't say because they have racial slurs on them. Um, but the one that it had the most recent was called Thug Shaker Central, which is uh, which is also kind of a um, don't don't Google it. I'll, I'll just say that uh, it's off of um, some meme, and that's what it was called most most often. And a lot of the users from there were kind of like I think the one of the person told me they were all Orthodox Orthodox Christian. They kind of like leaned pro Russia, but. From what I understand, the the leaks. Uh, I'll talk about the, how the leaks happened. And all that they they had no ideological or political goal. Like they weren't like trying to like influence the war or be like 
Russian opera or anything like that. It was, from what I understand, it was a guy who, according to the users of the server, had access to these documents. Like, not like he's a 14 year old with his dad as the soldier. Like he, like his, through his job, he had access. Like this isn't the teenager who was leaking this. And then he was just trying to impress his buddies, kind of leak these, post them and kind of impress them with and keep them up to date with what's going on in the world, I guess. So, so before we dive into detail on that, there's a couple things that I just want to clarify. <laughs> so more than a few, this is very complicated. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, are these dis- is this Discord server composed of American users? As in, is somebody who has access to this as a result of his job likely to be an American, or are these people scattered all over the world? The users are scattered all over. Most, um, from what I understand, most of them are, or at least maybe a plurality of them, are American. And from what I understand, the person who was leaking this is um, American. Likely to. I, I don't know 100%. From what I understand, though, talking to a, a couple of the people, he was um, probably American. So this isn't some kind of like – I've heard some um, speculation. This was you know all from like a German airbase and a few other places. But from what I understand, the person is more than likely um, American who was doing the dump. He was dumping all these leaks into the um, server. The Guardian just had a piece out that speaks about a sub-channel of that uh, Thug Shaker, Shaker Central server Bear versus pig, and <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing that it might have been a pro Z sort of pro Russian <laughs> channel. Um, can you say anything about that? Kind of, sort of. So, yeah, I, I've talked to the Guardian about that. I, I, I was telling you about uh, this channel. So, the a couple of different members of the group of the server told me that the leaks were posted to a channel called Bear versus Pig. So, a channel is again, if you use Slack or Microsoft Teams, you know what a channel is. It's like a subgroup or subchat within a larger server. And this is where they posted stuff about the war that was going on. And the, the channels in this group were, you know, music, memes, video games, that sort of stuff. And this is just another channel. And Bear versus Pig, Bear is Russia, Pig is, is Ukraine. And I, I, t- I talked to one of the servers, uh, one of the members of the server, and he, he, he was very quick to say, but, but listen, this wasn't an anti-Ukraine thing. Pig, it's from some meme. So I, I don't I don't know the meme, but apparently there's some meme where there's like, there's like a flying pig or something. I, I don't know. I don't understand the meme, but there's some meme about some Ukrainian guy talking about a pig, and I guess that's where that's they, it was like an inside joke with the server of this meme. So he claims it wasn't a derogatory term towards Ukraine, but I don't know. Some of the, the members were pro Russia, pro Z, uh, as Thomas said. Um, I don't know if all of them were. Um, as the guy who who I was talking to said, he said they were anti-war, quote unquote anti-war. They said they they didn't have strong. You know, uh, most of the members didn't have a strong stance one way or the other. They were just kind of generally anti-war or just kind of interested in the war. I don't know, maybe he was leading me on. I don't know. But that's what he told me at least. So it's fair to describe the original channel as a group of people who are uh, socially connected from a previous Discord channel who – tend to be Orthodox Christian and tend to lean pro-Russian and there is a war discussion group on this channel. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, but I, I'd say the pro-Russia thing is a bit of a red herring because um, none of the leak had necessarily like an ideological or political goal to it. Like they weren't leaking this in order to like drag down Ukraine or whatever. I mean, they didn't leak these out to drag down Ukraine. From what I understand – the, the pro-Russia thing that some of the members had was incidental. It wasn't like a primary driving force or the reason why they were sharing this stuff. So yeah, you're, you're, you're right, but, I, but I, I wouldn't read too much into the pro-Russia aspect of some of the members of the server. 
you uh, also spoke to the timeline of when uh, different pictures appeared. Now, all of the pictures, at least, that we uh, have seen in public were literally photographs of printout documents mm -hmm. that were previously folded and with lots of strange paraphernalia placed or lying around on the table. You know, a phone, cracked phone, a knife, a scope manual, and glue and whatnot. So the question I had is, what do you like? What do you make of the sequence? It seems that somebody had access to files, uh, printed files, kept printing them or getting their hands on the printed files, and kept taking pictures over an extended amount of time. Do you think mm -hmm. that is a correct assumption to make? Yeah, I mean, at least back to October, the, the earliest versions of these weren't pictures. Like he typed some of these by hand before he started doing photos, and back in October or so of last year. And some of them were taken, I, I know some of them were taken at his house too. So these weren't all taken like at, at his work. Some of these were definitely taken at his house from some other items and some other documents that I've seen that aren't, aren't super public. That, you know, I don't like see like his house address or whatever, but like, you know, his, like his gaming keyboard, right, is in the background. You could tell it's, it's not a kind of keyboard that you would have in your office, you know, with like the LED lights and all that stuff, right? So yeah, he, he's taking the printouts. He's um, taking a photo of them in his house. And how it got from point A to point B, I have absolutely no idea. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Lawfare listeners. Ben Wittes here. want to tell you about the first time I got a report from the folks at Delete Me. It was shortly after I started using the service back in 2022, and they sent me their first privacy report. I have since gotten eight others, and it contains some shocking information. They had removed my data from 56 separate data brokers, that this had included 133 separate records, including 621 individual pieces of personal information. Uh, the data broker with the most information about me was a company I'd never heard of called People by Name. And here's the thing. Since then, every couple of months, I've gotten another privacy report from Delete Me, and it always contains more information that they have removed from the data brokers about me. In the second report, they informed me they had removed my stuff from 41 data brokers and that the one with the most information about me was called HLEC. I have no idea what HLEC is. So the other day, I got my latest report and it includes 15 more data brokers with my personal information, 113 pieces of personally identifiable information, 
big culprit this time is something called my life. Well, I want to tell you that they don't have my life anymore. And that is why I recommend Delete Me. As this little anecdote shows, there's a lot of my data out there. And these companies keep acquiring it and making it available to anybody who can pay. And I have uh, slept a little bit more easily ever since I found a, a solution to this problem. And I want to stress, as I do every time, that I started using this before Delete Me started advertising with Lawfare. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online, and it makes sure it stays off. And that's the point of this little story that, you know, they keep coming back. You can get it removed once, but they'll put it back. And then Delete Me comes and takes it off again. It's a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential identity theft, doxing, and phishing scams. Delete Me sends you regular personalized privacy reports, just like the ones I've been describing, showing what info they found where, where they found it, and what they removed. And critically, as this story reflects, it isn't just a one-time service. It's always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you don't want on the internet. It does all the hard work of wiping you and your family's personal information off the web. Data brokers hate Delete Me, which is why I like it. Your profile is no longer theirs to sell. So take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash lawfare20 and use promo code lawfare20 at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash lawfare20 and enter code lawfare20 at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash lawfare20, code lawfare20. So it seems to me if you're the FBI, this is a fairly easy investigation to conduct. And I'm interested in both of your sense of this, Arik first, and then Tom. So first of all, the FBI can do everything that you did, although you did it first. That is, identify a bunch of people on the, dis on the Discord server, identify the patient zero who is uploading the material. Second, uh, Discord does somewhere have the data about the account uh, that uploaded that material, uh, and that can be relatively easily or it should be able to be relatively easily traced to uh, particular physical locations, particular names, particular email addresses. Uh, so my question, and again, Arik first and then Tom, should I expect uh, a, the FBI to be knocking on somebody's door pretty quickly and uh, conducting uh, whatever arrests are going to happen? Or is the case likely to be more complicated than that? Honestly, I'm shocked if if it, ha it hasn't happened, if it hasn't already. I mean, I, I've just assumed that the guy's been arrested by now because like – 
like, I mean, I wrote in an article when I published on Bellingcat on our site, like the guy who was posting all these documents, he was the administrator of the server. So, I mean, if, if you had access to the Discord data, which I'm sure they put in a request by now or gotten the data by now, it, it would take 30 seconds to find out. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. What, again, I'm not trying to tell people to do their jobs and I'm not rooting for the feds here. Because um, I don't have any actually strong opinions one way or the other about, about the leaks coming out. You, you don't name the person in your article. No. We, I mean, we don't know the name of the person. But you do have the information necessary to identify the person if you wanted to, right? I mean, if if, if you're an eighth grader and you read my article, you you would figure out in five seconds how to figure out how to do it. <laughs> I mean, the guy was the administrator of the server. You get, I give you the name of the server. I mean, just... I mean, if you have access to the Discord log, it's right there. I mean, it's again, I'm not trying to tell the people how to do their jobs. I don't necessarily want this guy arrested. I don't even care if he's arrested or not. But like, yeah, I mean, it's not hard. <laughs> Tom, do you see any reason to think uh, it would be more complicated than that, other than that the FBI will be very methodical about knowing everything before it does anything? Yeah, I think I would. That's what I basically would have said because this is a fairly. I mean, just reconstructing. You you probably would want to reconstruct everything that Arik has constructed, but do it you know very methodically, step by step, just to make sure that the whole chain of custody is the correct one. That probably takes a little bit of time, um, but not too much time. I, I also would be surprised if you know a couple of weeks from now we don't have more information than they culprit. All right. So one of the weird things about this case is how long it took anybody to notice that it was happening. So you're describing at least from October, but nobody really notices for quite a while. It's now April. The uh, New York Times doesn't Actually, I mean, it sort of starts showing up on Telegram and then the New York Times breaks it last week only. Why does it take so long? Is it just that this is a closed community of people who aren't essentially politically motivated and so sort of nobody has it has an interest particularly in getting it out there until it finally migrates, you know, breaks free? Why, why the delay? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it simultaneously makes no sense, but also it makes perfect sense when you kind of think about it with how Discord is set up. So when you think of Discord, a lot of people, like, you know, a lot of times when you think about social media, it's like literally like on Instagram, you search for something or on Twitter, you search for something. On Facebook, it's kind of all in open, right? But think about Discord in the sense of like, if, if for your work, if you have Microsoft Teams or Slack, and if someone in a, in a, in a private channel on one of those Slacks was passing around government documents, right? Would the NSA or FBI know about that? No, unless somebody got those documents and put them into a public looking a public space, which is what happened. So these things were being posted in these closed groups for months and months and months and months. And then one of the members of this small group of you know a few dozen people, one of them took 107 of these documents, of 107 of much larger cache of documents, and posted them into a larger server with a, with a few thousand members. And I mean, the person who did it is he's a 17 year old kid, the kid who took the documents from one server to the other. This, he's not the leaker. He, he's the one who just made, who's the conduit, I guess, between the, the small, tiny private channel and the larger semi-public channel. But even then, I mean, there's also the question of they were sitting in these, this server for over a month and no one really noticed them. I, I think one reason why I think that no one really noticed them is a lot of people probably didn't think they were real. Some people who were in this original tiny server in the first place, Thug Shaker Central is what, what they called it, 
Um, they did, a lot of them didn't even know for real if these were were actually genuine. They think that this guy was. Um, the, one guy told me, you know, the guy who posted this, like the original leaker, like he's a shit poster, as they told me. We did we didn't take him at his word. We thought he was just like leading us on, even though he had hundreds of these. So eventually, maybe they were persuaded. So maybe they didn't even think they were real in the first place. And then when it got to the bigger server, maybe those people didn't think so too. And then once the Pentagon, uh, I was talking to a guy from the server who told me when they saw the New York Times story leak, they're like, oh my God, that that was the whole time that was real, you know, that he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, pulling our leg. So I think it's a combination of just the way that discord is structured with kind of like small communities that it's not like, it's not like you can just go to Google and search discord, right? You have to join a community and search within there. And even within discord, there's private channels that you have to be a member for a long time and gain trust to, to get access to. It doesn't work like, you know, like Twitter, you can't just search a keyword and find it. And probably precisely because the community was relatively non-political mm-hmm. and not trying to be part of uh, the information space, uh, material tends to stay relatively contained. Sure, yeah. I mean, it never became widely known until a, a t- Russian telegram channel, which is, you know, was very political and very focused. That, that's when it became, became well known. So what do we know Tom, about how the Russian Telegram channel came into possession of this material from these Discord servers. I just wanted to jump in real quick, if I may, uh, on that point that Arik just made. And and I was, you know, there's this narrative out there or this explanation out there that somebody in a gaming-focused uh, Discord tried to win arguments that are related to the war in Ukraine and therefore posted maps and some of those data. But of course, now with the all the detail that we already discussed in this conversation, that, that doesn't appear to make a lot of sense because so many of the documents that were posted are not unrelated to Ukraine, have no maps, just uh, serial reporting and, and other reporting. So have you seen any of the contextual information of those posts? I mean, why did he... Or why did they post? I, I'm just I'm just so confused. I mean, how do you justify even if it comes across as shit posting? I mean, what do you say contextually in the post itself as opposed to the pictures? Why did he do that in their own justification? So you mean like the original tiny server where they're being posted there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was the way that it was described to me. It's just like just sharing information with his buddies. You know, he's like, hey, guys, this is the war. Here's what's going on. That's what I'm looking at. I mean, what his inter- like, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know exactly why he was doing it, but I assume he's just trying to flex, right? He's trying to show off to his, to his again, it sounds bizarre. It's, it's basically his teenage friends because <laughs> um, he's playing Call of Duty and Halo and I, with these kids. And mostly they were teenagers and like, you know, get, get people younger than he was. So it's kind of very, very bizarre. But I don't, yeah, I, I don't think that there's a whole whole lot really to dissect about his reasons for posting them. I, I think it's just as simple as like, I have this forbidden fruit. D- don't you want a taste of it too? Right. Don't you want to see it? Don't you want to, don't you want to know that I can access this and don't you want to see it too? Uh, the motivations of people later on, I mean, like, you know, for example, um, and way, you know, months, months later on April 5th, the 4chan post, that was a guy trying to win an argument, right. With someone else. But you know, this was, this is the final evolution of the chain of, of this stuff, but way, way, way back. And, you know, late last year and early this year in this Discord channel, it wasn't really a whole lot other than just a guy showing off to his to his buddies. It's, it sounds weird, but that's, as far as I can tell, all that was going on. The other dimension that keeps showing up in, in news stories is that these groups had a kind of neo-Nazi flavor to them. To what extent in your interactions with 
the people in question. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, it's definitely, um, I don't know, neo-Nazi, I don't know if it's quite, if there's a spectrum of racism, I'm not sure if it goes all the way that way, but maybe it's, it's getting close. So again, these, I, I repeat again, these are mostly a bunch of teenagers, right? So this isn't like, you know, some organized far-right movement with a bunch of adults who are out, you know, organized. It's, it's a bunch of teenagers, right? So this is basically kind of like 4chan, right? It's it maybe like an evolved form of, 4, form of 4chan to where people are, they're very racist. You know, these kids, much of them are very racist. If you check some of their Twitter streams, it's just like nasty, nasty stuff, one after the other, after the other. And, and I mean, they, I was talking to one guy and he said, like, yeah, we're pretty racist. Just, just like, yeah, we're pretty racist. We got banned from other discords. So we're here now because we got, you know, we're posting the N word too much, you know, that sort of thing. So it, yeah, I mean, again, neo-Nazi, you know, maybe some of them kind of venture that far over the spectrum, but yeah, I'm not trying to excuse what they were saying, but like, you know, a lot of times it's like a 17 year old kid who's posting the N word on online. It's, you know, people can grow and change, I guess you could say. So it's, it's, if you're kind of, it's kind of, imagine just, you know, a bunch of 17 year old 4chan users. It's, it's that kind of a thing. Can we just lean back in our chair for one second and appreciate for a moment that some person with access to super highly classified, you know, joint stuff, uh, p- perhaps information, took a bunch of pictures, went home and then posted them in a, in a discord channel that was named Thug, Thug Shaker Central. Sub channel and did it to impress racist teenagers. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah, yeah. they were. I hope that they were impressed. Um, Otherwise, it was a big waste. (laughs) Well, it it actually seems like far from impressed. Yeah, some of them were. What what they were is they thought he was shit posting, and so uh, it actually retained more secrecy than it might have because they weren't impressed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he, he should have marketed himself a little bit better. Yeah. So. I want to zoom back out uh, for some questions of the meaning of the whole thing for Tom. But I, uh, before I do, I just want to ask you about your investigation of it and how uh, you spell this out in some detail in, in the story. But for those who haven't read it, how uh, the forensics of your own investigation, how you came upon these servers and – what the investigative chain was for you that led you to these teenagers? Yeah, I mean, I started basically just like everybody else, um, with you know, here with the New York Times story, right? And then I try to, again, the chain is kind of what you'd imagine. Like, okay, well, let me find these supposedly modified photos into Russian Telegram. Okay, I found those. Can I find out where those came from? Okay, there's an earlier 4chan post. You know, I guess kind of searching on 4chan because I figured like, you know, if it came from anywhere, it maybe came from 4chan. I found uh, three of the files on there. And then there's a gap in there. And this is where someone just DM'd me. This is just on Twitter. He's like, hey, I think I've seen these before on a Minecraft server. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. So I joined this Minecraft server and I, I found way back March March 4th and I found there were 10 of these maps. And this was kind of like um, another kind of the argument thing. So like these guys got into a little spat and they kind of, it was kind of like um, – like, oh, sounds like, oh, no, sorry, I thought you were saying this. Like, okay, well, it's all right. Let's make up. Here, have some leaked documents. And then he posted them. <laughs> kind of like very, very laissez-faire. I talked to the guy who posted that. And I said, hey, you know, he, he, he freaked out because he's like, oh, my God, I don't want the FBI kicking down my door. I feel bad for this guy. Um, by the way, he also is 17. So it's I feel, feel bad for this kid, too. And not and clearly not the leaker. No, right? he's, oh, God, no, 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 no. None, none, of, none of these seven. There's a lot of 17-year-olds in this story, but none of them are the leaker. Um, they're just, they're just conduits, right? They're just carrying it on. And I asked him like, where'd you get it from? He's like, well, I think I got it from this place. And then I went back there and then 
managed to get about half the files or so before they got deleted. And that was a different 17 year old guy who, who, who posted those on um, another larger server. And then who he was in, he kind of, he was the break between the original leak and, and that. So I just kind of followed the leak and just talking. I mean, it sounds weird, but messaging. <laughs> I didn't know there were 17 at the time, so that's 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 my defense. Messaging these anonymous users, I'll just say, and then I later find out that God, they're half my age, and I feel ancient. And yeah, I, I, talking to them, and then they're kind of pointing me one place or the other, and then I'm getting a lot of false leads because, of course, people are kind of like you know they're trolling me a little bit, but that's you know kind of be accepted. And um, eventually, it kind of leads you all the way down to kind of the end of the rabbit hole with this alleged original leaker back on this Thug Shaker Central of all names server. I feel like this is such an unusual, like outside the box case that we might just want to uh, think outside the box in terms of, or keep an open mind in terms of potential explanations. I mean, what comes to mind is almost, you know, who knows, maybe some senior official was taking printout documents home, although they should not have done that. And their kid or a friend of their kid was uh, simply taking these pictures over time. I mean, it's so weird that this could even have happened this way. It's possible. But from, again, from my discussions, people who knew, some people who knew this guy, like they're friends with him, they've known him for years. He's, he's older. He's, as far as I know, he's at least in his 20s. And, huh. he, uh, and he is not, you know, some guy living in a basement with his parents' house. Like he's, he's, he's an adult. So, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I, maybe I've been, maybe the guy I was talking to was mistaken. But from what I understand of everything I've gathered, I've, I haven't seen anything that points to that. Though you kind of, it's kind of your first assumption when you just think like you know, Discord gamers, all this stuff. But you know, a lot of people use Discord. It's you know, you know, it's very popular. It's not just a bunch of kids. People, older people play it. I have some friends who are a little bit closer to my age who play on it too. It's not totally not all Gen Z or whatever using this. I have used Discord. Yeah, see, yeah, there's some uh, for matters having nothing to do with video games. When when during the pandemic. We did a, a a live show every day called In Lieu of Fun, and the watchers of In Lieu of Fun set up a Discord server as a sort of discussion board, which I would occasionally pop into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bellingcat has a Discord server too. If anyone wants to join, we um, we we do investigations in there too. So it's not it's not just for the kids. It's uh, for the older. You can do it too. And you know you can you too can put classified yeah, documents exactly. on it. Um. All right. So I, I want to explore a couple of other interesting offshoots of this. Uh, one explanation, Tom, for the FBI's slowness on this, if, if – I mean it's only been a few days, but maybe that they're – they have two objectives here, will, will have two objectives. One is to identify the perpetrator and make whatever criminal case they can. But the second will be, and in some ways the more important objective, will be to recover and protect as many of the uh, materials as humanly possible. So we have 107 documents that have been disclosed to a large number of people on that Minecraft server. There are, however, a much larger group of documents that appear to have been confined to some smaller Discord servers. And it seems to me one thing you would want to do if you were the bureau here is try to contact every single person who has accessed those servers and see if they've retained any, retained or transmitted any of this information. Uh, in order to see how much of it has actually, you know, migrated unrecoverably beyond 
patient zero. I'm curious for your thoughts on that and whether you think there's a a potentially large investigation that is aimed at uh, recovery of the material that, you know, is in that delta between the material disclosed on the original server, which is hundreds and hundreds below a thousand, and the 107 that are clearly unrecoverably released? It's a super hard question. I think trying to recover and protect uh, some of the larger numbers that never made it out of the the, uh, the inner circle, so to speak, that might be a consideration. But at some point, um, obviously, for that smaller set of 50-something files, it's that that they're there, I think it's simply too late because um, enough, uh, too many people have seen those. I would think. In my mind, this whole story is yet again, and I'm not sure Ben, you wanted to take the conversation there, but but what is that whole, what is that leak? You know, mega leak number five at least. What does that mean for how the U.S. government and the U.S. intelligence community, more specifically, is? Is protecting its its uh, its most sensitive information. I think that's a conversation that is beginning to happen. I see a lot of interest in it, and uh, and, and I think it's time for uh, for some for some more drastic uh, measure measures to take. Yeah, I, I, that's a really. I actually did want to take it in that direction because it seems to me each of these mega leak stories has a distinct meta narrative behind it. Right. The, so. The Chelsea Manning uh, leaks were fundamentally about access to people who didn't need access. The Snowden documents, I mean, they're the after-action reports from the, the leaks task force at NSA revealed all kinds of stuff, and they've changed all kinds of things in response to it. This seems like it's a, a, a very different kind of story. It, it doesn't appear politically motivated. It's not financially motivated. It's not a kind of screw U.S. intelligence thing. Is there anything you think to learn from it other than, you know, Discord servers are really bad? Well, I mean... I, I'm joking, of course. I don't yeah, think yeah, Discord course, course. servers are really bad. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's look at those super quickly in turn. What's the technology that 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 Manning used to exfil exfil to you know move out the data um, from the secure network? I believe it was a, if I'm not mistaken, it was a CD. Yeah, I think it was a DVD ROM. Yeah. Then, in the case of Snowden, I believe it was USB, which in turn was locked down internally. I understand, at least to a significant extent. And now we have printers. I mean, is it that we need like one leak per? technology that you can use to exfiltrate data out of a secure network. I mean, that, I'm also half-joking by making that observation. To me, to me, the bigger issue here is, you know, what can be done to reduce the risk? And there's obviously a humongous risk because this keeps on happening. And, you know, think about it this way. If this happened in the UK repeatedly, mega leaks of this magnitude, I mean, the US might stop sharing intelligence with the UK altogether because it's uh, hard to, you know, sustain. Here, you know, is it overclassification that is the problem? Because if you classify everything at top secret, then what really belongs in that category gets sort of yeah. Then lost. what can what anything you want to impress your friends with is going to be you know top secret, and you there should be a special 
classified but unimportant designation just for people who want to impress their 17-year-old friends. One day, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would be so good. You can give it to the press. You can leak it with impunity. And it's you know sensitive enough to be impressive but not, not really dangerous. Sorry, I, I cut you off with a joke, Tom. No, no, it's hard to have this conversation with all the with all the bizarreness folded in. I mean, I was, you know, I thought the shadow brokers was uh, already peak bizarre, but apparently we can do better. To me, the takeaway here is, you know, I, I'm, I, and I think this may apply to some extent to to you, um, Ben and Arik as well, but. I'm. I don't have a secure. I don't hold a security clearance. I never have and never plan to. I'm not even a citizen of the United States, just a green card holder. And uh, yet, I'm. You know, I'm, I'm studying this professionally. You know, the history of, of of leaks. And in fact, I'm teaching a class uh, on signals intelligence and the leaks of the 2010s. Did not expect the 2020s to come knocking that quickly. But one of the more bizarre aspects of this whole conversation, in my mind, is. The fact that this is forbidden literature, you know, we have access to the files and we cannot show them to the people who really know what they're talking about because they say, I cannot look at this as still classified, which of course is an old problem. We've had it for well more than a decade now, which really prevents a, a an educated, meaningful, constructive conversation about these leaks in my, in my estimation. And uh, and the fact that this is still happening, this this tension plays out in I think in our DMs all the time. I mean, really, it's time to rethink overall the way we we deal with this problem. In my view, I could not agree more. And we are going to leave it there. Thomas Ridd, Arik Toller, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for having me. The Lawfare Podcast is produced in cooperation with the Brookings Institution. Our audio engineer this episode is the great Noam Osband of Goat Rodeo. Hey folks, are you a material supporter of Lawfare? If so, thank you. But, you know, if not, come on, who else puts together conversations like this? Just, you know, you know it's time. So go to patreon.com slash lawfare and make an honest person of yourself. It's time. Become a material supporter of Lawfare. The Lawfare podcast is edited by Jen Patya Howell. Our music is performed by the one, the only, Sophia Yan. And as always, thanks for listening.